Welcome to the Richie Flow Nutrition Podcast. My name is Cameron Borg. On this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Joel Kahn. Joel Kahn is a world-leading cardiologist based in Michigan. He has been practicing cardiology since 1983 and has long been practicing holistic, preventative methods for the promotion of longevity and cardiac health. Joel is very well read and up to date with the latest research regarding health and longevity. He has authored several books, including Your Whole Heart Solution and Dead Execs Don't Get Bonuses. I had such a great time speaking with Joel. I've been following his work for several years now, so it was brilliant to get some time to discuss some of these interesting concepts with him. Although this episode is a shorter one, I sincerely hope you enjoy it while we work on part two for this conversation. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks so much for coming to talk to me today, Joel. I've uh, really been looking forward to this. I've been following your work for many years now. Um, but I wanted to get your insight about why mitochondrial support is so important in cardiology. No problem. And this is not a talk. It's a walk talk because I'm <laughs> using my, kinda, my mitochondria on my uh, treadmill desk. Uh, just to get an extra five, six miles a day. And it's crazy since I've added this at home and in my office. And I encourage everybody, stand up, move. We can talk about mitochondria, but if you actually use them, it's much more fun. So, uh, you know, mitochondria are the powerhouses of the cell. You can't stand up. You can't do a squat. You can't comb your hair. You can't beat a heart. You can't have a thought in your brain without the ability to create energy. And uh, that is done in our mitochondria, um, very complex systems, very ancient, you know, found in very old organisms that are still on the planet, those that aren't. Um, you know, there's a famous cycle called the Krebs cycle or the tricyclic acid TCA cycle. But the bottom line is you move along in a shuttle-like process and you come out with a energy molecule called ATP, adenosine triphosphate, and that. I believe as a half-life of, you know, microseconds, it leads to the production of something called ADP, adenosine diphosphate, and what is cleaved off is used to create energy. Um, there are a lot of cofactors there. Uh, the most famous one in my world is coenzyme Q10, uh, which is a really cool molecule and very hard to eat in a vegan diet. Uh, coenzyme Q10 can be found in some animal foods like eating the heart of a cow, which I don't usually prescribe to my patients. So CoQ10 is something we make in our body. It's hard to eat. It's easy to supplement. Uh, and people you know, have heard about it, maybe walk into a drugstore, vitamin shop, or a department store and see it for sale, and they're not quite sure what it's all about. But it, it, after age 40 and on, you tend to make less and less CoQ10 as a process of aging, and there's at least little hints of maybe wise to supplement some of these mitochondrial support vitamins. Like a lot of things in the body, don't put in the toxins. We think things like heavy metals. You eat tuna fish every day for lunch, you're probably getting a lot of mercury, and mercury can be a mitochondrial toxin, like arsenic, like lead. You know, be cautious with your environment, pollution, quality of water, uh, maybe looking at your food supply. And so one is not to put in mitochondrial toxins. You can't help but age. And the other is possibly to consider mitochondrial support. And 
that's usually vitamins, but of course it's healthy eating, clean water, clean air, maybe exercise, good sleep, all those things are gonna contribute. In my field, I'm a cardiologist, probably most importantly, a serious condition called congestive heart failure. We think mitochondria are not functioning well and we might be able to support them, but it's probably true in just simple garden variety, high blood pressure, People who have clogged arteries, maybe have had a heart attack, bypass stent, uh, are gonna have a normal mitochondrial function. And then there's the non-cardiac situations. It's probably very important in brain, Parkinson's disease, uh, memory, Alzheimer's, uh, but it's true in your kidneys and for athletic performance, of course, since we're talking about largely uh, creating energy in muscles, the heart's a muscle, the eyes a muscle, of course, for a sprinter. So. Mitochondria, not enough attention in life and healthy mitochondria. So I've, I've heard a lot of people ask you about dietary related um, ways to uh, help with heart health, but I wanted to ask you about a few other ways. Um, one of them being the use of red and near infrared light um, oh, cool. to boost mitochondrial function. So is, oh, this, cool. is this something that you use in your clinic and you recommend to your, your patients who are enthusiastic yeah, you know, red light and near-infrared light is something I've learned about in the last three to five years. Uh, I've read several books. There's you know, several hundreds, if not thousands, of actual academic research articles, academic books, some books for the public. Yeah, there's one that I like particularly for the public. Um, it's also called in the scientific world photobiomodulation, PBM, uh, but it's usually red light. And it's the idea that we are energy organisms that are mitochondria respond external energy. Um, and it turns out that you can shine red light or near infrared light on the body and it responds, the skin responds, but particularly near infrared light can penetrate deeper. It's not UV light, it's not gonna give you a suntan, it's not gonna, by any knowledge we have, induce skin cancer or risk like that. But um, you can buy panels or light bulbs, or various other devices. Some are for cosmetic use. There's some data that red light particularly is good for collagen production. Maybe you've got some wrinkles, some creases, some acne, and people have small devices that expose their skin to red light. You can feel a little warmth. It's not hot. You're not gonna burn yourself. And you can buy full panels that emit a combination of red light and air for a light. And the wavelength is very well known. I had, didn't look it up today. I think it's like 680 nanometers and 820. Don't quote me on it. You may know better than me. Um, but so, yes, I teach my patients about it. Um, I have at home, and it's almost a daily ritual to spend 10 to 20 minutes in front of a red light full body panel. But I don't hold still. I'm doing squats and weights and yoga and moving all around because I might as well get some cardio or weights while I'm doing it, even yoga. Um, uh, there's an industry leader that's very expensive. There's some other uh, manufacturers that I like that are a little less expensive and very high quality. So what does it have to do with mitochondria? Who knows how this worked out, but there is an enzyme in your Krebs cycle called cytochrome C oxidase. And probably Michael Hamblin, a researcher at Harvard, figured this out because he's written most of the papers on photobiomodulation. Uh, maybe it was another researcher. But it turns out you can create a healthy molecule in the body called nitric oxide, NO, but nitric oxide can get trapped 
and can be coupled and become sort of an obstacle to creating adequate energy. We want nitric oxide to be out in the circulation, helping our arteries, but it can actually, for reasons I don't understand, gum up the mitochondrial cycle and energy production. And it turns out near infrared light penetrating through the skin can reach mitochondria, can uncouple and release, like undoing your seatbelt, the nitric oxide. The nitric oxide is free to potentially reach blood vessels and participate in healthy, healthy blood flow and circulation. And the production of ATP increases. So to date, there's no real clear data that you could take a person having chest uh, angina pain or somebody having congestive heart failure or high blood pressure. Theoretically, by releasing nitric oxide and improving ATP production, might have quite a therapeutic benefit. It's just room for future research. But given that other than the expense of these panels in the United States from a few hundred dollars, you can certainly spend over a thousand US dollars. Um, other than the cost, they're very safe. You could use it for an hour or two a day, though most people recommend you know, less 10, 20 minutes. You're not gonna burn yourself. There's debate whether you gotta wear eye goggles to protect your eyes or not. Some advocate that, some ignore that. And I really don't know where the truth lies. I, I tend not to wear eye protective gear, but so far I've not noticed anything after years and years. And some people think it actually might improve your vision, but I wouldn't claim that. But there are actually, like in the United States, we have the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. And there's six or eight FDA-approved uses of near-infrared and red light, uh, including weight loss, wound healing, cellulite, cosmetic issues, acne. So this has gone through enough research, publication. And again, anybody's familiar with the U.S. National Library of Medicine, pubmed.gov, P-U-B-M-E-D.gov. You just put in photobiomodulation. And you'll see thousands of articles. You might put in photobiomodulation and the heart or the skin or blood pressure or sleep and, you know, see what you learn. But there's going to be a lot. That's brilliant. Um, you mentioned nitric oxide there. It makes me want to ask. Um, there are a few people around publishing books, Patrick McEwen, um, James yeah. Nesta, talking about the importance of nasal breathing. Is this something that you discuss with your um, patients as well? Yeah, I got a shout out in Nestor's book, which was unexpected because I teach a certain yoga called Five Tibetans. And there's a breathing practice that he gave a shout out to, which was unexpected. I thought the book was brilliant and McCowan's Oxygen Advantage was brilliant. I do. Uh, if they're really open minded, I might teach them alternate nostril breathing in on the right and then out on the left and in on the left and out on the right. That's an ancient Indian practice that uh can balance your sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system and improve calm but what you just said and yes i teach every patient it's been one of the most radical things the past year and a half to ask patients and i have to ask them how's your sleep how many hours how many times up to the bathroom if you get up do you take a glass of water do you have a dry mouth do you snore do you uh use any sleep aids and the number of people that say, you know, I'm up two, three times a night to pee. And when I'm up to pee, I get a glass of water. And then I send them home with surgical tape. I don't take their whole mouth with duct tape. I suggest they just take about a four inch, uh, you know, two centimeter, you know, four inch uh, would be about eight, seven, eight centimeters piece of tape. 
and if they have facial hair, it's an issue. If it's a guy with a big burly beard, it's tough. But take their mouth shut for a week. And for many people, this has revolutionized their health. Uh, they sleep better. Their oral health, gum health is better because dried out gums are susceptible to bacterial infection. Uh, they urinate less at night, so their sleep's improved. They often their snoring is stopped. And there's just a calm. I do it every night myself and never anticipated doing it. And I don't have sleep apnea, uh, but it just uh, has provided a safety net of better sleep, calmer sleep, less interruptions at night. So, I mean, I don't wear a red light panel and tape my mouth. I don't do everything all at once. But it turns out, and I think you know this, breathing through your mouth versus breathing through your nose, there are tissues in your nose that if you breathe consistently at night through your nose or as much during the day as you can when you're not talking, you make more nitric oxide by nasal breathing. And whether you're just practicing that through an ancient Indian way or taping your mouth or just being mindful, uh, more nitric oxide is better blood vessels, maybe better blood pressure. So it's one of the hacks to use nature and use our nervous system, sympathetic, parasympathetic balance and such to just feel better and improve your health. Awesome. Um, you're probably much more familiar than uh, most practitioners with using blood viscosity and, um, you know, helping to thin the blood naturally. I wanted to ask you about earthing or grounding and where this plays a role in your practice. Yeah, you know, the, the amount of science for red light photobiomodulation, huge. The amount of science for nasal breathing, mouth taping, modest the amount of actual science for grounding earthing, the idea that there are electronic circuits in our earth, that by wearing rubber shoes, almost always, we have broken the ancient habit of being in contact with the earth with bare feet or leather bottom shoes, which do conduct some of that electricity. And it led a famous engineer named Clint Ober about 40 years ago to make an observation that everybody's wearing gym shoes and they're not in contact with the earth. And he thought about it and he created this crazy apparatus in his house where he took a wire from inside his bedroom outside, put a metal stake in the ground, attached the wire, kind of like Ben Franklin, but there was no kite. And then actually created some sort of mat that he slept on and noticed some improvements, inflammation, better sleep. Uh, and then he did studies and they're not extensive, but they're also in the National Library of Medicine. It may be that you lower inflammation by earthing or grounding. It may be um, that you improve circulation, better sleep. That's all things people claim. So how do you earth or ground? You can walk barefoot uh, in the proper season. If you walk barefoot near a body of water, it's reported to be a stronger earthing, grounding experience. Well, many people, there are shoes you can buy that even if they are rubber sole, they have a metal kind of rod between where your foot is and the bottom and may put you in contact with the earth's energy. Um, and then there are actually sheets and pads. Uh, in my office, I have a pad that plugs into the grounded outlet in the wall, but I've checked the grounded outlet and it is grounded, meaning there is a wire that goes to the earth and you can stand on a pad or sleep on a sheet, earthing sheet, grounding sheet. I mean, it's inexpensive. It's harmless. Um, so I'm not uh, the biggest proponent, but I 
certainly I'm open-minded. If somebody had achy joints, poor sleep, skin issues, and they wanted to spend a couple hundred US dollars on a grounding sheet or $50 on a grounding pad. Some people believe if you're in front of a computer, all the EMF all day long might be, you know, just part of a protective energizing habit. But the best one is to walk barefoot in the grass when you can. In our summer, which is just ending here, I will walk on the grass with a weighted vest, listening to a podcast, and just kind of enjoy feeling grass blades under my feet. It always feels good unless I step in one of my dog's poo, and uh, that doesn't feel so good. All right. Well, I wanted to jump onto EMF since you um, mentioned it. Um, it seems quite clear that uh, these man-made electromagnetic fields do alter extracellular calcium uh, and and cell function in general in, in most cases. what What's your take on the impact of EMFs on the heart? Yeah, I've had time with some of the world's experts like Nicholas Peralt and others. I, I respect that there's good science. I don't know the science quite as well. Um, it seems there are some people are more sensitive and some people are less sensitive to having a water meter outside their house or Lots of Wi-Fi, lots of Bluetooth. You know, everything is Bluetooth connected now. So you've got signals zipping around all over the place to turn your lights off and put your alarm on and, you know, uh, wearing Bluetooth sleep rings. So, you know, for some people, it's worth trying to uh, protect themselves, whether it's an EMF blocking necklace or bracelet or uh, a lot of people will put an EMF blocking little sticker on their phone all these can be bought commercially i can't tell you a giant success story of course there's the conspiracy theories going on right now with uh, the pandemic and whether 5g super powerful emf has any interaction with people who have been vaccinated I'm not going down that road because it's uh well i'll tell you in a couple of years whether we know that that's the case or not but People talk about that, but I think being sensitive, particularly if your health isn't good, if you're not sleeping well, if you've got some skin issues or unexplained inflammation, digestive problems, just being aware that, you know, it wasn't the case a hundred years ago that we had such powerful electronic inputs so close to us. Um, and you could argue the grounding pad, but I think that actually is somewhat protective or I have an infrared sauna in my house, but I have a very low EMF emitting infrared sauna. You want to do a little research there. Yeah, brilliant. I, I think that's a very measured approach to all of this. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the role of hydration in health and whether you yeah. recommend reverse osmosis filters for your patients and uh, how, how much water you recommend your, your patients be drinking yeah. throughout the day and remineralization yeah. as well. Yeah, and you did mention the word viscosity. And, you know, we do know that blood can be thicker or thinner. It's hard to measure. There are certain functional medicine practitioners will look at blood under the microscope and see if all the red blood cells are clumping up or whether they're freely flowing. Um, men that take testosterone can drive their hemoglobin up and get thicker, more viscous blood. And it probably promotes stroke and heart attack. I'm aware of really just one research paper from the Loma Linda Adventist Health Study about inadequate hydration and risk of heart attack. And the theory would be, again, more viscous, you know, 
more thicker blood, more likely to clot. Um, so I do encourage my patients to focus on hydration, largely with water, largely with water in stainless steel containers or glass bottles, not plastics. That's a whole nother sorted pathway to ill health, all the phthalates, and BPS, BPA, and we have a plastic in the United States, maybe you have it too, called P PFAS, PFAS. Uh, that's an industry, it's called the forever plastic because once it's in your fat tissues, it's very hard to ever eliminate and it's toxic. So you want, you know, you want to be very careful. Still, so many of my patients drink uh, plastic water bottles and it ruins the environment. It's not good for their health. So it's an educational process. You know, it's um, about half their body weight in ounces of water uh, is what I recommend, but I don't track it that much myself. I mean, I think most people have the ability to keep an eye on their hydration pretty well, uh, unless they have kidney disease or some other situation. I'm a fan of reverse osmosis. I have in the house, a whole house. So my toilet water is filtered. Um, I live in the state of Michigan where we had a giant lead in the water crisis, but it's by no means the only state, the only city, it's all over the place. Uh, and lead is only one of the potential toxins. Um, and even one of our fanciest neighborhoods had a lead issue because there's just a lot of old houses, old pipes from the city water supply into the house. And if you don't have the pH and the chemical protection of these pipes to stop them all, you can shed lead and drink lead and you'll never know it. I do mercury lead and arsenic blood levels in all my patients. A lot of mercury, that's usually tuna particularly. Uh, a little bit of arsenic, that's usually chicken and rice. A little bit of lead. I don't pick up lead very often. Uh, but if you do it in other ways, like provoke urine testing, you'll find lead in most people. Um, it's expensive to have a whole house reverse osmosis unit. Uh, in my office, we have a little desktop unit. It's uh, about $300 US. You put city water in, there's three cartridges. You get about a three or four liters of RO water. And I do remineralize. I buy little drops that have some magnesium, a little boron, a little potassium, just a couple of drops. Uh, it's a good idea. I like the ones that are sort of marine sea-based and have 70 minerals and fucidin and I mean, seaweed-based additives. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great tip as well. Um, you mentioned some labs there that you test for heavy metals. Um, I'd like to know about the labs you use to determine the extent to which people have um, problems with their heart, you know, the um, LP little a, yeah. um, you know, the HDL yeah, to the yeah. ratio, you know, what kind of markers are you using? Yeah, well, the ones that go beyond the ordinary, are everybody gets a vitamin D level and that's rather trite. But particularly with the pandemic, we know getting COVID with a low vitamin D level is just unwise. Um, and, you know, and getting in a level, at least the way we report in the States of 50 to 70, I think it's milligrams per deciliter is optimal. That may take 5,000 international units a day of vitamin D3, which I don't consider a high dose, but it's pretty much my routine. Um, homocysteine, a metabolic marker of something called methylation, you might inherit from your parents or have an alteration in your diet or your vitamin levels. Homocysteine, you don't want it sky high. It's not good for your blood vessels and many other body functions. 
you mentioned a genetic cholesterol called lipoprotein A. Uh, I had the pleasure a year ago of writing a book so that everybody can at least see the word lipoprotein A. Uh, about 1.5 billion people inherit this cholesterol from their mom, their dad, or both. It can damage arteries anywhere in the body. It can damage a heart valve. Um, it's a very inexpensive blood test, but most primary care practitioners and even cardiologists don't order it. Uh, big pharmaceutical companies are developing drugs to lower that cholesterol because the ones we have out now don't lower it and sometimes even have the opposite effect of making it worse. So we need a whole new class of pharmaceutical agents and they'll be coming out in about three or four years if these studies go well, uh, international studies. Um, I'd like a test of inflammation. I want to know if your diet, your dental health, your sleep, your skin, your food is working for you. So high sensitivity C-reactive protein, HSCRP. And maybe the last one, if you can get it, the most common nutritional deficiency is actually low omega-3. And we talk a lot about vitamin D and vitamin B12, vitamin C, zinc, but low omega-3. And omega-3, which we can't make as humans, EPA, DHA, DPA, we have to either eat it or take it. So we either have to eat salmon, sardine, mackerel, herring, not tuna, because tuna doesn't have much. Or we have to do a lot of chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp hearts, walnuts, leafy greens, chlorella, spirulina. Or we got to take fish oil or vegan capsules. But it's unbelievable how low people are. And uh, their cholesterol numbers improve, their inflammation numbers improve. Sometimes their memory seems a little sharper because the brain is so dependent on EPA. And People don't talk about it much. You know, I'm not saying go out there and go buy gigantic barrels of fish oil, but if your practitioner will run a blood level or make sure you get a couple tablespoons a day of ground flaxseed, all would be good choices. Are there any other um, nutritional supplements that you tend to use regularly, particularly as people age? I know uh, we mentioned CoQ10 before, um, magnesium, D-ribose, L-carnitine, you know. Right. Those are mitochondrial support, and I will use those. Some people, after uh, the virus causing the pandemic, feel better with some mitochondrial support, too. That's just an observation. That's not a published study. Um, you know, omega-3 supplements, CoQ10. There's a randomized study from Sweden. If you're 70 and older and take CoQ10 or take placebo, you have much better heart health taking CoQ10. So it is actually evidence-based. It's not just a sales item. Um, well, there are some people low in B12 folate. And if you have a high homocysteine, you need a B complex vitamin. And even the biggest multivitamin skeptics know that there's data that folate and B12 supplementation like a B complex has been associated with better survival, lower rates of stroke. Probably that's through homocysteine. Then there's everything else. I mean, I'm up to date on it. You know, NAD, NMN, nicotinamide, riboside, NR, um, an interesting compound called spermidine. I have a bottle sitting to my right, which is a food-based wheat germ, uh, maybe promoting autophagy. And uh, there's uh, other vitamins that may promote uh, eliminating senescent cells, so-called senolytics. There's vitamins that mimic fasting, bergamot, berberine, resveratrol, spermidine. 
But we need, I mean, if somebody really wants, go for it and I'll design them a program. But that's for the person that recognizes we don't have the full picture on any of those. So most of my patients are on, I mean, probably vitamin D, CoQ10, perhaps a B, a B complex. And there's a very interesting plant-based uh, antioxidant called pycnogenol, P-Y-C-N-O-G-E-N-O-L. It comes from the bark of French pine trees. And it has some very powerful effects on arteries that's in the human scientific randomized study literature. And there's new data that uh, pycnogenol from the bark of a French pine tree, because it's very protective of arteries, may be protective from the bad consequences of the pandemic. These are actually published human studies. So I have a lot of people taking pycnogenol. It also is anti-inflammatory. So if your C-reactive protein is up, work on your diet and everything else, but pycnogenol helps a lot. Wonderful. Um, I have so many more questions that I'd love to ask, but I know yes. you're very busy. Do it again. Let's keep yes. them wanting. Yes. Let's, Let's make them ask for me back. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll try and organize around two, but um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And um, yeah, hopefully this is helpful and enlightening for some people. You're a very smart young man. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to keep up with my work, you can find me using at Richie Flow Nutrition on social media. Thanks again, everyone. Take care.